0: what's going on everybody welcome in to the wednesday february 21st edition of the daily energy newsbeat stand up here are today's top headlines first up Two wind farms receive over $1 million to switch off. I'm not kidding you. That's an opinion piece. Um, by Andrew Monfort over at the Climate Change Dispatch. We love them. We'll then quickly cover uh, the Kremlin has never been richer, thanks to a U.S. strategic partner. This feeds into our, our thread yesterday when we talked about India. Um, and then I will quickly cover uh, what happened in the oil and gas markets today. Fairly quiet from a financial side. We did see natural gas futures pop a little bit. And then we had some earnings drops, specifically Matador and Chesapeake. I'll talk a little bit interesting about why both those companies were actually down day over day. I think that has more to do with uh, uh, oil prices. Prices and where things are headed, but we will cover all that and a bag of chips, guys. As always, I am Michael Tanner, rocking a solo show today. Stu is the night off, well deserved. So we are going to get a little bit more oil content than you used to, but we love that. Let's go ahead and dive right in, though. Two wind farms receive over one hundred million to turn off. This is again, as I mentioned, this is an opinion piece from Andrew Montford. We've 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 segmented him on the show today, you know, and he says regular readers uh, will know that I have long been concerned over the extraordinary levels of payments that force wind farms to switch off. These are so-called constraint payments and are deemed necessary when the wires in the transmission grid have inadequate capacity to get a generator's power to market. He goes on to talk about this idea that, and not this idea, what happens is is when there's not enough grid capacity to hold the electricity that's coming from the wind farms. It's not that the wind farms are turned off, it's that they are paid to get turned off. And a gas-fired power station is paid to get turned on that's closer so that the end user of the electricity is not, as he said, left short. And he has a chart here. I don't know, Ms. Producer, if you don't mind pulling this chart up. Total constraint payments on wind farms have risen in 2023 to $382 million for a volume of about 4.3 terawatt hours, which is roughly four days of electrical demand thrown away entirely. I mean it's absolutely unbelievable. If you go talk about the the you know he then breaks down the 2023 bill we can pull up that next piece. Um these are wind farm constraint payments specifically to um the specific segments. You're seeing that the largest one, More East, gets 54 million dollars to not be turned online. That constrained that volume uh, ends up being 500 and 90 gigawatts, which is like 20% of its output. I mean, 20% of its output. It's absolutely insane. This is the problem when you don't have the grid ready to, to, to really take advantage of, even if renewables was working. And in this case, it's not working. But in this case, it's trying to supply power to the grid. And the unfortunate part is the grid can't handle it. So now not only can the, do we have to just not have the wind farm a and lose whatever potential benefits we might have. We're also now paying them to shut down. It comes back to, um, we're all for the cheapest amount of energy. And the problem is the way we've designed this whole renewable ship, we haven't necessarily found the cheapest. So great article out there. Um, we'll move on to the next one quickly. The Kremlin has never been richer thanks to a huge strategic partner. This goes back to a, an article we talked about a few days ago, I think Monday on the podcast. Um, Russia now is in its third year really at the war with Ukraine. This is a CNN article. And last year actually made a record number of crude oil sales sitting at about $37 billion of crude oil, but that's specifically just to India. Okay, so $37 billion of crude oil sales specifically to India. This is according to a CNN analysis, so take it with a grain of salt. And and a lot of that crude and about more than 1 billion of that was refined by India and then exported to the United States as refined products. Mostly to California, our favorite state who, you know, they're actually, it's ironic. You go look at our stats. Most people from California love us. They're our largest state. So we appreciate the listens. The problem is you're buying Russian crude and you don't even know it. The bypassing of the sanctions. Uh, it goes on to say that these flows of payments coming from India have increased via their purchases of Russian crude by third times the pre-war amounts. And this is a, according to the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air um which was quote unquote exclusively shared with CNN they're at the they're at the tip of the spear doing work that's a joke you know it, it really goes on to to kind of try to shame india and saying bad india you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be taking care of your people i mean this is where i think i differ a little bit with the street i'm all for india doing what's best for its people as the united states should be doing what's best for its people instead we sort of dance this line of trying to walk the line of what's good for everybody, even if it hurts us, but it also must make us, you know, it also must help us. I mean, you know, Prime Minister Modi's gotten straight down to the ax. He said, no, I'm going to do what's best for the Indian people. I, I understand that low cost access to low cost energy is the thing that have, has brought in the entire world. Any first world country was brought to that point because of access to low cost energy. And that's what Prime Minister Modi in India is trying to do. It's why he's buying A lot of Russian crude. So I don't shame him for doing that. What I do shame is Gavin Newsom for shaking its finger at Russia and then buying Russian crude via India. So India now is the middleman. It's making a spread on it. Gotta love it. So that's all I've got for the news segment. Whenever Stu's gone, we keep it a little light. There is a lot of oil and gas earnings I want to get to. So we'll we'll switch over to finance right now. But before we do that, we got to go ahead and pay the bills here, guys. As always, the news and analysis or quote unquote analysis that you just heard is brought to us by the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your oil and gas and energy news. Stu and the team do a tremendous job making sure that website is up to speed. Everything you need to know to be the tip of the spear when it comes to the energy business. Um, You can hit the description below for all timestamps, links to the articles. Um, You can hit us up, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. You can visit us us again, energynewsbeat.com. Com, you know, overall markets, a little choppy today. We saw the S&P 500 um, stay fairly f- uh, flat, down about six-tenths of a percentage point. NASDAQ didn't do much better. It's down seven-tenths of a percentage point. We did see yields both on the 10-year and the and, and, and the two-year uh, stay fairly flat, 6.4 for the two-year yield and 6 and 4.2 for the 10-year yield. We did see the dollar index stay fairly flat. Crude oil uh, settles a little bit lower, mainly due to the fact that, uh, you know, the, the 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 war in Hama, the war in, in in Gaza has continued to kind of sway both ways from a geopolitical standpoint in terms of how much is it affecting oil prices how much is it not um I, the interesting part that we we did see today was the fact that um there, there there's a growing premium for prompt crude month crude oil futures via second month delivery which basically means uh March the 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 current front month contract is getting about a dollar seventy one 71 premium to what the second month contract is which means we're getting we're beginning to get in this really contango market and that's the widest it's been about 4 months what does what does that mean for the for for to, to you guys well that means that that the the outlook for oil prices continues to get weaker and weaker and i think the 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 part of that has to do with what's going on in china right now you know they did see yesterday their biggest ever reduction in their benchmark mortgage rate um which is basically the the, 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 this reference rate came out in 2019 and it's the largest ever and far more than analysts were expecting. As we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, that the Chinese real estate market is not doing well and they're going through kind of their own 2008 crisis, but this time with developers, not necessarily individual home buyers. And so um, the amount of debt that's stacked up is, has really kind of become to, to, to bite them a little bit. John Kidcliffe over at Again Capital, we've quoted him a few times. The fact that the crude oil market Hasn't responded more positively uh, shows you the depths of the oil demand problem in China, which is crazy because we've seen a uh, uh, you know the, the 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 counter to why we didn't see a huge drop in prices today was again the U.S. vetoed a draft uh, by the United Nations Security Council resolution on the Israel Hamas war, which was blocking, uh, which was attempting to do an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. And basically, now it needs to go to the 15-member body, and it's 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 unlikely that this temporary cease ceasefire will happen. The U.S. was quoted, or the UN was quoted, as saying this could lead to a slaughter. Stu would have to opine about the politics. All I know is if if there if the war in the Middle East continues, that's only going to be geopolitically unstable for oil, and it means it could go up. Now we've got the the, the demand side that's pulling down right now, so I think those are your tensions right now. Again, we settled it about. You know we're we're sitting here at about five fifty two here on the twentieth. It's about seventy seven twenty two. I I think again the big stuff that we're going to see today um out of the oil and gas markets is earnings. We saw two companies drop earnings: Matador and Chesapeake. We'll start with Matador. You know overall the 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 market did not like their day. Um, They were down about basically a full percentage points, mainly off the back of a few things. You know, um, record oil production. Lower revenues—that's never going to lead to a great combo. So, you know, kind of the the top line head number is that they achieved recordly quarterly average production of about one hundred fifty-four thousand boe a day, or about eighty-eight thousand seven hundred barrels of oil per day. You know, they had good net cash uh, provided by operating. But to give you guys an idea, oil and gas revenues—let me scroll down. These one of those companies that love to do a massive drop. Um, Oil and gas revenues year over year, which is now we're kind of seeing the full year guidance actually drop uh, by about $400 million, um, which is, uh, mainly due to a little bit of oil, a a little bit of oil prices, but have a lot to do with, uh, um, the fact and, and, and which is, which is funny because we've, we've now gotten to the point where prices haven't really gone down much. You're now doing record, record oil production, which means you're turning on wells at a record pace. They turned on 39 wells in quarter four. Okay. And revenues are going down. I mean, Overall, market's not going to like that, and I'm going to like three billion in revenue versus two point eight billion in revenue—a drop. And oh, but we've increased production. Well, great—you're losing money still, and not losing money, but your your revenue is quote unquote shrinking. Do I think they're in similar decline? No, Stock's still at fifty-eight seventy-four. They've got an absolutely—you know—they got a great asset. You know, they're they 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 do a really good job, in my opinion, of kind of being very honest with where with where they stand at. I, I love watching their presentation specifically, but. You know the market's not necessarily going to enjoy gross production highest it's ever been. Oh, but revenues. I mean, that's why you're 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 seeing a a one percent drop. And you know, the other company we saw Chesapeake. I mean, I mean their stock was down one point three percentage points mainly off the back of I think the the future outlook of what's going on. I don't think their stock price right now or or the, today's movement is really indicative of of their earnings release. They did um come out and say, you know, basically their their total net income was about two point four billion. And if you adjust that for net income, you, or if you do a, a adjust, you know adjusted net income gets gets you down to seven hundred two again. That's non-GAAP um, EBITDAx, which is again interest before earnings and and, and taxes, depreciation, and all the other junk. Um, two point five billion free cash flow, about five hundred and fifty one million. Um, they did about you know eight hundred forty million of, of of share repurchases. You know they really what they did on this call was great. Go, let's talk. We had a good you know a good ish. What is it? A, a good-ish portfolio. You're doing about three point four BCF a day, and that's net. About ninety eight percent of that's you know natural gas, a little bit of NGLs. Um, they they did close the remaining divestiture package for about seven hundred million. Feel sorry for feel sorry for that company who bought that. You know, I, I think the biggest the the biggest reason why the the street was a little concerned. I mean, it it mainly has to do with the fact that they're 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 slowing down their rigs. So. Right now, they're operating nine rigs: five in the Haynesville, four in the Marcellus, and four frac crews. Both, you know, two in the Haynesville, two in the Marcellus. Um, they said that they're going to go ahead and defer completing any new wells, and so you're what that shakes out to is they're going to drill 95 to 115 wells, but only going to turn 30 to 40 of those on. So higher than expected capital expenditure, you know, and really what they're trying to do is align with the market. I mean, it's as, as we sit here, dollar seventy natural gas. I mean, that's. It's tough to 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 make your money on. So I think from a from a from a strategy standpoint, unfortunately, it makes sense. I don't think the street is going to like it. But I mean, EQT was down two point eight percentage points today. So I think with them being upfront about where the market is and where they are relative to the market, I think that know kind of continues to help them play out. Um, but not a good day for oil and gas. I mean, again, a lot of these oil and gas companies are going to trade relative to where um, oil prices go. So I, I tend to stop and and really not talk about individual stocks only on earnings day though because it kind of gives you that insight into where that street might be going but that's really all i've got appreciate everybody holding out for us um you know a lot of good stuff Stu will be back in the chair tomorrow for a final episode of the week and we will make sure um to cover everything that is uh going on and we will uh not not the final show we got yeah wednesday at then the thursday um we will get that cranked out so appreciate it guys we michael tanner we'll see you tomorrow